Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. We are on episode 61, and I am H.A. Conrad, here with my wonderful co-host and friend, Ali Matu. Hello, Ali. Hello, Conrad. I am here with my wonderful cup of tea, Earl Grey, hot. So I'm ready to go. Isn't Earl Grey very hot? No, um, no, it's not very hot. You don't want very hot on the the from a replicator. It's it's going to be the computer is very precise, Conrad. That would be extremely hot. Mm. Well, but no, it, it wouldn't be extremely hot because then you have to ask for extremely hot. Right? I don't extraordinarily know. Extraordinarily hot. <laughs> no. Gee, extraordinarily hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're not talking about Star Trek: The Next Generation today, Conrad. What well, are we we're not. We're we're talking about another one of our favorite subjects. Uh, we are talking about Wonder Woman and. The documentary that came out a couple years ago on PBS, and it's Wonder Woman, The Untold Story of American Superheroines, Heroines, um, which uh, we both watched, and so I'm excited to talk to you about this today. I'm really excited to talk to you about this, especially given I know how uh, your affinity for this character, um, and it's 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 an interesting time to be talking about this, and we're going to be putting two of our two of our favorite um, or and two of the most well known super heroines <laughs> superheroes <laughs> I'm just going to the- call them superheroes cuz honestly come on <laughs> Oh yeah no totally but So um in the infinite crossover chamber to name folks we have Wonder Woman squaring off against Jean Grey um and what's our top 5 this week Conrad Our top 5 is top 5 female superheroes slash role models So I'm curious to see how you define that. It was an interesting list and also um, an enlightening list. When I was coming up with it, it became very clear that there's a lot of just in terms of choices and things that I personally think of. um, It was there. It was interesting to see who was missing, I guess, is a good way Mm. to put it. So. Um, I think we need to work on that. But anyway, good good tease there, Connor. That'll mm. that'll keep him hooked till the end. So <laughs> <laughs> sure, so well. we're, we're talking about Wonder Women, the untold story of American superheroines. Um, and this was a documentary, as Conrad mentioned, that came out um, premiered actually in 2012 um, at South by Southwest at the film festival. There, it's a documentary by Christy Guerra Flanagan, um, who directed it, so, and you, you can find it pretty much anywhere now um maybe not in every store but it is available online um it's available to stream and you can also buy the dvd so this came to our attention um just kind of randomly the other week and uh, i sort of sent you an email and i was like conrad we should talk about this have you heard about have you heard about this documentary and i don't think you had nor had i oh i had or- absolutely heard about this oh really okay no, i was uh i retract my um comment. i was admittedly somewhat avoiding talking about this but i think that that's also a good topic of conversation well let's start right there why were you avoiding this uh this documentary um i don't think it's a particularly good documentary okay well there you go um now is that what you thought after watching it as well um i watched it a couple years ago and i rewatched it uh just to talk about it with our show and i feel like there are some aspects of it that are excellent and they got some excellent people to appear on this but i don't think it takes the subject matter that they're trying to address far enough 
Okay. All right. And I don't think it addresses solutions uh, to the issues that they talk about within the scope of the documentary. And to me, if you're trying to highlight um, the dearth of female superheroes in comics and elsewhere, you also need to come up with better solutions. And I don't, I feel like they kind of lost their way midway through the documentary. Um, so, 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 so wait, they outlined the problem and then they didn't find a solution or they didn't find, you know, it was just like, oh, isn't this terrible? So anyway, uh, we'll get into that a little we'll bit We'll get further. into that. And it is a, it's a shorter documentary. It's only 50 minutes. So I, I do get what you're talking about here in terms of raising the, the, uh, issues, not necessarily talking about what can be done. But before we get to that, maybe we should talk about why you have such strong feelings about this. Well, and so maybe we should back up and go, what, what is your experience with this character? One, Roman, Diana Prince. Now, uh, th- that's the main feature, the main storyline of this documentary. It does talk about female superheroes in general as well, but it's really a story about Diana Prince. So um, I-, I can give you my quick version, and I want to turn it over to you. Sure. My exposure to this character is really coming from um, watching some reruns of Super Friends, but predominantly through the uh, 1970s uh, TV show. Um, that was my introduction to Wonder Woman and who the character is. And then unfortunately, Conrad, I haven't had much exposure at all to that character since then. So I have these vague memories of watching Wonder Woman uh, reruns and then not much else. Like these vague, vague memories from my early childhood. Uh, beyond that, I don't really know much of the, about this character. And before you asked me, before I saw this documentary, I could, if you asked me, like, what are the features of this character? I would say, well, she um, has this invisible jet. I know that. Um, she does some things with her bracelets, these golden bracelets. I don't know what they do. And there, there's a lasso, and it makes you tell the truth. And that's about it. That's about <laughs> all I could tell you. Well, I mean, my exposure to Wonder Woman is actually somewhat similar from yours, although I watched it when it was actually on television. (laughs) So uh, my sister and I loved this show, and I was very, very young when I watched this. Um, And there's actually, um, when my sister and I were very little, um, my mom made Wonder Woman costumes for us for one Halloween. I think I was was about two. Um, we can put that up if you want to have a photo of that. I think there's a photo That'd of that awesome. right around there somewhere. But um, And you know what? My experience is similar to a lot of other uh, women that are currently my age. You see these types of photos like surfacing. It was a really powerful character to have on television. Um, she was the main character. She was the main part of the show. She would go and crime fight. Um, she, was, she had an awesome outfit. Um, which now comes under fire from some people, but, you know, it's Wonder Woman. Um, And then as I got older, I wanted to know a lot more about her. I knew her from the comic books, obviously. Um, She was the first, real first female comic book hero that made a splash. She was sort of a counterpoint to Superman and had a similar, there was a similar thing that they did with her because she made her debut in 1941. Um, and she was the creation of uh, William Moulton Marston, who was an interesting character himself. Um, <laughs> He's a psychologist, or was well, a psychologist? Well, he was a psychologist, but he had a very interesting family life, and his wife, um, Elizabeth, 
was actually one of the second women ever to go to law school at PU, actually. Yeah. Um, but they also uh, had a third member of their family, um, Olive, who joined their family. They met her in Greece, I believe. Um, and she, like, she, she was... They had a polyamorous relationship, so they actually all had kids together, and even after he died, the two women stayed together and raised their children together. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting, because the character of Wonder Woman is supposedly a combination of um, both um, Elizabeth uh, Marston and uh, Olive, and even if you talk to the kids about it, they were all saying that it was a very loving and wonderful family life. Um, he had this, you know, it, it's interesting because he had this idea that women were really going to take over the earth, he thought, you know. In and, like a hundred years. Yeah, and yeah. so that that's part of it. However, just the character of Wonder Woman herself is very, there's a lot of bondage involved. Um, there is... Um, there, there is a lot of, I think you could easily say, misogyny within the Wonder Woman comics. Um, there, there's, but you know, as people in the documentary point out, Wonder Woman breaks her own chains. She doesn't usually get rescued. Um, Which is so, a pretty, pretty radical idea when when that came out. Just seeing some right. of that imagery in those early comics, right? And, and and it's you know, there's been a lot of books that have been written about this. There was one uh, more recently came out. Uh, by uh, Jill Lepore called The Secret History of Wonder Woman, which I I feel is a very strange, not strange, but um, kind of a narrow view of the whole thing. It's a very complicated, honestly, a complicated um, background. Um, and I think some of the members, some of the sort of survivors of the Marston clan were unhappy with her portrayal of their family. And I I just think it was something at the time, which is a very conservative time. Nobody was going to be understanding this kind of a a family life. So, yeah, well, it's still not necessarily a family that is that is understood. And and so I will say as a psychologist, I was so surprised to learn about this. Um, Olive Baron was her last name. So and uh, yeah, so it's it's an interesting thing. Um, And then Wonder Woman took on a life of her own later on after he died. Um, So it's. And she's become a symbol of the women's movement, which is which is kind of interesting, given some of the the themes that the comics sh- portrayed her doing. Yeah, um, Gloria Steinem um, talks about in in this documentary about right. how they wanted Wonder Woman on the cover of the first um, Ms. Magazine, which is uh, right. And if you even in even within the comics, if you look at how her costume evolves. She is very feminine. She has always been very feminine, and some people view that as a slam on her, that she uses her sexuality as part of that's one of her powers. But I I also, that is a costume that every girl kind of identifies with, um, the yeah, crown so, and the, the bracelets and all that, and she wears go-go boots. <laughs> Although uh, she did awesome, she right? did used to wear like these sort of weird ballet slippers in, initially, like that was kind of strange, <laughs> these red sort of weird ballet slippers. A little bit less hardcore. <laughs> A little less hardcore. Um, but I will say, you know, Gloria Steinem talks about this in the documentary. She was the only game in town. I mean, yeah. if you were to go and look at comics and things like that, this is... 
the only female superhero that was out there. Um, and even as I was growing up on television, you know, she was the, the, she was the gateway for other, uh, female main characters who were crime fighting. So you had, and they do talk about this in the documentary. She was the first, first super, first female to break that superhero glass ceiling. Um, So a couple, a couple things I want to mention here. Um, So with uh, William uh, Marston, uh, the psychologist who who developed this character, um, I had never heard of this person before. So I think, no, I mean, he invented sort of the, the precursor to the lie detector and it was a very weird, it's it's, a weird invention. It's an influential invention. It's also an invention that doesn't have a lot of efficacy around it. Well, and also they don't, so this is one of the issues the the documentary sort of, I don't want to say it whitewashes certain things, but it does. Like he was an odd dude. He, like this invention of his was basically uh, to uncover lies that a female might tell about her sexual (laughs) past or like, he was super strange. I mean, I'm not denying that. The man was a weird guy. That stuff wasn't in the documentary. No, and they're not going to talk. The relationship wasn't in the documentary. Right, and they're not going to talk about that stuff, which is like, to me, you've got to talk about that stuff because it's it's a lot of what it's sort of the the it's part of who the character is and you have to recognize that so that bothered me a lot um Uh, so this this is an individual who i um only discovered really through this documentary so you can think about how much contribution he probably made to the field of psychology but it, it does sound like he made a pretty big contribution to the comic book field and um so there's a few directions i want to take this but before we go in that direction here's one thing i want to ask you conrad is mm-hmm. growing up as and by, as and by the way william Moulton marston was like he had a pen name so you you sometimes see him as charles Moulton. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. other other things like that. So, Conrad, I want a pen. I want a cool pen name like all these people. One of my top fives has a really cool pen name. Um, Is it? Isn't your pen name the science fiction psychologist? It's <laughs> <laughs> not, not like a. It's like a title. It's yeah. not really in like a name though. I want like a really cool. I don't know. So, listeners, let us know what <laughs> pen name I should take on. But I guess that would defeat the purpose because then people would know. Anyways, rabbit hole. Um, so, Conrad, here's uh, one thing I want to ask you, and then I want to go explore this documentary a bit. Yep. But as young Conrad watching um, One Woman, what was it about that character that spoke too mu- so much to you? Because this character has stayed with you. You know the ins and outs of this character. Your alias on Twitter is at Die Prince. I mean, this is this is a character that means a lot to you. This it is does. Uh, this is like your Spock. Um, what what was it about that character that spoke to you at such a young age i'm not going to i'm not going to deny that she's a flawed character in certain in certain aspects but um she was a powerful character she was crime fighting and she was the main event and you just didn't see that um princess leia was also a very cool female yeah, like role model yeah. like she was out there fighting and doing all this cool stuff um but Wonder Woman was definitely the first in my book. Um, before that time, you don't see, I mean, and before that time, I mean, like, before I was two. Um, you know, <laughs> before you, I was born, I yes, did not remember I seeing born. any representation um, But just even in the things that you saw growing up, most of, like, the heroes are men. And this was not the case. Um, my sister and I would, would you know, 
play Wonder Woman, this would be part of our, like, that would be part of our, you know, like, my mom would be like, go outside and play. And we'd always, like, we'd be usually rehashing something to do with Star Wars or with Wonder Woman. Oh, did you uh, ever and, have and Star Storms? Wars Wonder Woman mashups? Like, um, probably. Like I don't really remember as well, but I do know that generally, if we were playing Star Wars, we'd always fight again about who got to play Han Solo. What does that say? Uh, you know, like, like it would be sad. It doesn't it? See, so this is the thing. So oh. Wonder Woman was like this great role model. She's always been super cool, um, and I've always really loved her, despite. Uh, her story arc throughout the comic book years. They do talk about this in the documentary. She kind of, they kind of make her ordinary, very ordinary. There's like the dark days of the eighties. <laughs> and, well, and what, um, some, but one of the things you and I talked about in our tenth episode, uh, culture and comics, is the importance of representation. And we're not mm-hmm. going to rehash all of that, but I think one thing that comes up right there when you said, you know, we always fought about who wants to be Han Solo is every child teenager and adult deserves to have heroes that they can identify with that's important once you see someone doing these things and in some way you you connect with that person you can see yourself in that person it makes you believe that hey i too can do that right just seeing that as a possibility is hugely influential to help kids go into all sorts of different fields to be able to have more flexibility in their identity. Um, all of these things are incredibly health, uh, important for people's health, uh, physical and mental. Right. And so um, representation is incredibly important, and that's why I think this character is so interesting. Right. Um, and, and by the way, it was Elizabeth Marston who, you know, basically said, this, is, this new character should be a female superhero. Mm-hmm. So she really influenced that. So I, you know, it's interesting that within the documentary they kind of say, "Oh, it was all him." It wasn't. He really was influenced by his wife, and um, I find it interesting about the fact that and good that the representation was really the the brainchild of of this woman who who was also breaking barriers as going to law school and basically going out to work and with the support of her husband, which at the time was extraordinarily unusual. Yeah. Um, but no, you're, you're correct. No. This is, this is, this is important to have these role models out there. And clearly it impacted my, me and my sister and a lot of other women um, in our generation and, and men, uh, and men. And I and- also, I also say, you know, we also saw her a lot in, um, Super Friends. So that was also a, a cartoon. Oh, yeah. So it was great because we would see her on, you know, we used to see her on her own television show, but then she was also a big part of this this cartoon that we loved so much growing up. So, And um, th- this is what I think is going to be interesting because there's a par- there's two parallels here between when um, Wonder Woman that was first created in the comic books and then what happened to her as right. time went on. And then a parallel with the 70s with the huge representation as a live action character and a major comic book character and then what happened in the 80s and 90s right. and 2000s. But before we get to that, um, for those who are a little bit less familiar with this character, um, one thing I thought that was interesting is how they talked about what makes her unique, not only mm-hmm. in terms of her superpowers, but 
in terms of her personality and values. I was wondering if you could kind of speak to that a little bit about what what you think is unique about this character. Well, in the in the live action series as well as in the comic books, at least initially, she was very independent. She was not as focused. Like she was always rescuing the main male character slash love interest, Steve Trevor, and it was always her initiating, which is something you didn't really see in any media at that time. Now, if you um, if you have uh, if you're a fly on the wall in the Lee Matu household, you will see New Anne doing that to me a lot. I love that. I love that part about this character <laughs> rescuing that she's you always a lot? rescuing. <laughs> she's always rescuing um, this this other guy, and uh, I was. Um, I think she, that's awesome. But she's also, you know, empowering other women. She's always like talking to other women about what's going on, you know, and they're not always treated the best. Their their characters. She is unique in that sense. Um, so I don't always agree with how they show it, but she really did have a sense of agency. She was the the person that was pushing through all these new ideas um also instead of war and fighting she's trying to do problem solving and problem yeah. solving with teamwork and with love and with truth and there's these are all the things that embodied her character in terms of her superpowers she's like flying a freaking jet how awesome and, is that? An I mean, invisible an jet. An invisible jet. Um, so she's got like cool trinkets and toys similar to Batman. Um, she Like her lasso of truth, you put that around people and they have to tell the truth. Her, Which is terrifying. Um, she's Which going into... It is terrifying. I mean, she goes oh. into to battles with her, with her uh, bracelets, which are like awesome everybody had like seriously for a while um i would go to school every day with some tinfoil bracelets that my mom would make me because i didn't insist that i had to wear them every day to school this probably went on through like uh, probably the second or third grade you were so cool i was pretty cool but also pretty weird um (laughs) you know so there were like there were things about her that were so incredible um she has been you know, there were the dark days of the 80s and 90s, and that was a dark day for a lot of comics, I would say. Um, not just Wonder Woman, but... Well, and the, the dark days uh, around the comics code yeah, and yeah. what the, happened to the character in those comics and how she was uh, demoted from being a superhero mm-hmm. to being... Um, kind, of just, like, kind of like uh, like a, you know, His Girl Friday. It's sort of a character, like a very just sort of demure and always like, oh, I just want to wear fashion outfits and sell clothing in stores. Like, she became so boring She became ordinary. It, you know, one from a character that was res- rescuing others and this sort of idea that was mentioned in the film of feminism wrapped up in a sexy outfit mm-hmm. into a, uh, just a sexy outfit, really. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, there, and then thankfully, thankfully, she was... <laughs> She she was resurrected into her former glory, and they brought all of her powers back and her outfits back and um, sh- her agency back. And you know, partially from Gloria Steinem's advocacy. Yep, yep. Which I I have to thank Gloria Steinem for that. She's a Wonder Woman in her own right. Um, so so there. So you know, she evolved into that, and now with the new Fifty Two, I don't know if you've caught any of those new issues. There's some problems I have with it, but they. Get gave her, you know, even more powers. Like now her bracelets can sort of envelop her into sort of like this bulletproof 
shield. Um, oh, cool. She can fly. They show her a lot more with like her full-on battle gear, like there's swords involved and things like that. Um, so it's I don't agree with all of the New 52 storylines, but it's an interesting take on her, and they... It's it's bringing Wonder Woman back. I hope for newer people. Um, but yeah, that I, but are we going to talk about the other big issue about Wonder Woman? Yeah, we should. But one more thing I want to say about the past is the um, one of the things I liked about Linda Carter in, the, in an interview for this documentary. She said it Wonder Woman wasn't against men, but she was for the community of women, and right. I liked that idea of empowering. You, you talked about problem solving, and I think it's also Wonder Woman has been a character about empowering a community. And that is really cool. And just what we saw from that TV show and how it led to Charlie's Angels and Bionic mm-hmm. Woman and a lot of those shows that you and I have talked about on this show, um, we can all agree that this character is one of the most seminal characters in comic books. I mean, right up there with Superman, Batman, um, Wonder Woman. I think those early days of comics, um, these DC characters were really influential in a lot of ways. Let me transition, though, to what you were about to say, Conrad, which started with a big but. What I was about to say is that it's fascinating. She is a seminal character, yet we do not, and with all the, the new movies that have been made, we do not have a Wonder Woman film. We do not have a Wonder Woman television series. They've tried. They have tried. And they all have gone kaput. Yes, yeah, and, so- and, and I will tell you, it's sort not sort of. It is absolutely ridiculous to think that this particular franchise would not be successful. Give me a break. This, this is a- one of the most beloved characters. You've got people. I mean, look at the look at the swag out there related to Wonder Woman. Look at the little like and go to any Comic Con, any yeah. Comic Con, you will see so much. So many Wonder Women. And I I think this is the real heart of the discussion here. And so I agree with you, Conrad. I think the documentary, um, if you you don't know much about Wonder Woman as a character or if you don't know much about um, how uh, some of the problems with uh, portrayals of female superheroes, I think this documentary is a good primer. It's a good primer. It reminds me of something that you'd watch like in college. Yeah, Does that absolutely. make sense? And I think that that's okay. I'm not slamming the documentary. I'm I'm like psyched that they put it out there. I guess my feeling is though is that I kept wanting more from it. Um, and they talk a little bit. You know, they go over the history of Wonder Woman. They talk about some of the problems with the the representation of women in comics now um, and Which in television they do, now. They do a nice job of you yeah. know the, the the common criticism or the common retort is well, sure, female bodies are sexualized in comics, but so are male. Now, male bodies are hyper masculine, yes, but one of the key differences is oh, female bodies. These are often tortured. Yep. They're in bondage. Or they're killed. They're killed. They're controlled. They're maimed. They are also um, the outfits that are mm-hmm. worn are hyper hypersexualized, and female bodies are rarely fully covered. Whereas male superheroes are almost always covered. Right. Um, so there's they do a really nice job of giving you the basics. Like if you if you only have fifty minutes. 
and you don't know anything about this character or these issues, this is a good thing to see. And as you right. mentioned, Gloria Steinem's what? in it, Linda Carter, Gail Simone. Yeah, um, but that's also one of the things I wish they had touched on a little bit more is the dearth of female creators out there. I mean, they yeah. talk about it somewhat, and they do talk about it. Um, it it did bother me a little bit because um, they do bring up portrayals of, of female heroes on television. Um, and, of course, they talk about Buffy. And There's, they talk yeah, about a good and, dose of Buffy and yeah, Zena but, but and one Scully of the things Captain kind, Janeway. They're kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's great that Joss Whedon did this, but why couldn't it have been a woman doing this? And it's sort of like, okay, you know, I agree. I think that there should be more women involved, but Jane Espenson is no slouch, and they show her in oh, this. Oh, Jane Espenson is amazing, and she is incredible. She is one of you see her involved in so many of the shows that I, I mean, me personally, I love. She's been involved in Buffy, Angel, uh, Battlestar. Torchwood, Caprica, um, yeah. Caprica. She, I mean, she's involved in all so many. She was amazing one of the things. greats coming out of the House of Whedon and right. Buffy of the nineties. Yeah. Um, but and I agree. I I would love to see more, you know, uh, female generated uh, television shows and and movies and everything. And well, but they, I feel like they kind of touched on that and didn't get into it too much um but you also have to give joss whedon credit because he's one of the few people out there that continually is pushing for for female characters to be at the uh, forefront i'll say one of the few males out there that's pushing for females uh characters to be out there well and for pushing them to be out there in a way that i think is a very feminist um, it, it's a feminist viewpoint and treatment. Um, it's, but it's complicated because it I is think complicated. There are some. There are some other things there. I know there but. is that. Uh, there is the sometimes the the women can't handle their power idea that plays out in some some Whedon's work. There's the, um, the kind of violence towards women in some of his work. Yes, but at the same time, well, I guess I should, I should say and. And at the same time, it's a bit of a dialectic here where that is true and he has been empowering and creating some of the most influential female right. superheroes. And Buffy's a total female superhero. She Absolutely. might not fly or have a cape, but she's a total superhero. She totally is. Um, but the interesting thing is is that he was initially attached to a Wonder Woman film project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is where I want to get into with this. And um, so I think you and I are on the same page with the documentary. Um, for for some, uh, I'm hoping for a lot of our fans, a lot of our, our listeners here, um, you're probably already familiar with a lot of these issues. So watching the documentary, you'll be nodding your head. And then it ends and you'll be like, what? There should yeah, be more there here. there should be more. And, and, the, the, it, and the, I feel like they start to touch upon it and then they just kind of end it. And I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a lot more. And granted, this was so, as you it's said, the, it's this the came out for discussion that's yeah. missing. They and came the, out, they came out in, this came out, as you said, South by Southwest 2012, but it wasn't really fully released until 2013. And now it's has, you know, it's all over the place, as you said. And you can they've just got watch it on really, YouTube. Yeah, they've got a really great. Um, Twitter and Facebook community as well, especially their Facebook account. Um, they share a lot of great articles about the issues that are raised in the documentary. And the other thing I think, Conrad, we're here in 2015 where we, uh, there, there has 
there feels like there's a shift. Where not enough of a shift, but yes, there has been a shift. A, there's there's this idea, you know. I, hashtag- I think I think that Ms. Marvel would have popped up in this had oh, you know I mean, what I mean? Like like you got to talk about Kamala Khan. You're going to talk about Kamala Khan. You're going to talk about G. Willow Wilson. There's a great article that just came out last week. Twelve women who have helped transform the comic book industry. Mm-hmm. The, there's more of a discussion now, and uh, there's been a great hashtag push comics forward about the the need for more more representation so this would definitely if this was coming out now i think it would play out a little bit but you know what you have to give it you have to give this credit where credit's due because maybe this was helping pushing that conversation forward and i can absolutely Absolutely. see that i guess i just i was really hoping for a lot i want to see a lot more of those women in that industry i want to see more of jane espenson in the commentary i I want to see more gail simone talking about how you know i want to hear more of gail simone talking about the state of comics not just about her attachment with uh to as being the the continuous writer of wonder woman you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I want to hear a lot more from those voices. Um, but I do think that they did a wonderful job in talking about, um, and it's a big subject matter. So you have to understand that too, but it just felt like maybe there was another 20 minutes to a half an hour missing from this focusing on the future. And what I think was missing is a discussion of uh, gatekeeping mm-hmm. and how we have this glass ceiling and a discussion of what can be done. So, uh, you know, I think this is similar to some of the discussion that happened with the um, Oscar So White controversy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an issue of gatekeeping where um, there are a lot of really talented um, writers who are women, um, artists who are women. And historically, the comic book industry has been pretty hesitant to have these people brought in um, to the the production side, uh, to be the writers, to be the artists. And I think that's that's a, a really important issue here. And there's always the, the <laughs> retort that, well, there isn't really an audience for those characters. And now that the research has been done, we know 50% of people who are reading comics right now are women, are girls, are females. We know that these superhero movies are some of the most popular movies out there. It's not just boys and men watching them, but it's families, it's girls, it's women. And so that's an issue of representation. But then there's a wonderful illustrated um, uh, illustrated guide to the, the Bechdel test and what superhero movies pass the Bechdel test. And we'll put it in the show notes. It's, it's really great. But uh, the Bechdel test, of, of course, is... Um, uh, ask a few questions. Um, are there, uh, is there a woman character? Is there, is there a female character? Is another female character? Do they have a conversation that's not about a man? It's a basic test of representation. And so many of these superhero movies fail. The ones that really pass are Elektra, the only superhero movie that, female superhero movie that we've had that came out. Um, many of the X-Men films pass. Thor passes one and two, uh, Iron Man two and three pass, Guardians of the Galaxy passes, Catwoman and Watchmen, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing else really passes that. And so representation of women in general has been pretty poor in comic books and especially comic book films. And then the well, female superheroes in comic book films, besides Elektra, haven't really happened yet well and then not to mention that the representation of women is poor 
But then the representation of diverse women is almost non-existent. Is non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than Kamala Khan and Storm, can you really point to anybody really who's not an alien? Well, so. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Lots of people I, will be like, no, but that person is. I'm like, no, that person is an alien. So. Or got a radioactive uh, blood transfusion right, right. from Hulk or something. So that's an, also an interesting thing. So when you're talking about role models out there, um, one of the reasons why I think Kamala Khan is such an amazing and wonderful character, um, and it's so cool to go to Comic-Con and to see, uh, to see young girls dressed up like her. Um, and to hear them talk about it and be like, oh, finally, there's a super, there's a super men such as Ali Batu. <laughs> um, but no, to see somebody and, and to hear them talk about how excited they are to see a superhero that looks like them that they can identify with. And that, you know, I think we need to see a lot more of that. It still feels like we are so far behind at the times. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. It does. And, uh, there's, so there's some interesting things that are very recently happening. So um, one of the things that's been announced is uh, very, like very recently, I think back in February, Marvel is doing an all-female Avengers team. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big deal. G. Willow Wilson from uh, Miss Marvel is involved in that. Um, we also she, know she is awesome. She is so cool. She um, really is, and hats off to her seriously and we've got um we've got i know this is something for us to discuss but we've got um the first female superhero films coming out soon uh wonder woman is returning well not returning but making her feature film debut in next year's uh batman versus batman v superman colon dawn of justice well, um, hopefully it'll be better than the uh, the the cast little terrible appearance at Comic Con last year. Oh gosh, yeah, they came. Um, they came out on. I mean, and you and I talked a little bit about this uh, uh, about the costume that they showed. Gail Godot from the Fast and Furious right. verse has been um, cast as. And as I said, I mean, you and I talked a lot about this uh, after you had gone to comic-con and this was a bit of a controversy and they showed the the outfits and stuff you know i i'm not psyched about the new treatment of the costume and i'm not psyched about the fact that wonder woman does not look like you know they, they took away a lot of her curves uh, in casting gail godot but i'm also willing to give gail a shot because i think you should but it seems interesting to me, just their decision making up to this point. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, honestly, Conrad, I'm not too excited about Batman v Superman: Colin Dawn of Justice. Um, this is now Zack Snyder's second foray into the DC cinematic universe uh, after uh, Man of Steel. We're getting a trailer for this movie pretty soon. It's going to be with Mad Max next month. But what I am excited about, honestly, is I am excited about the um, the Wonder Woman movie. That's going to be coming out in 2017. So after we get the Batman Superman movie where we Wonder Woman will be in there. We don't know how much. We don't know to what degree. But in 2017, two years from now, we're getting her uh, Wonder Woman's getting her own feature film. What makes me excited about this is while Zack Snyder is involved as as an executive producer, the director is Michelle McLaren who is um, Game of Thrones director, yep. Walking Dead director, but 
like one of the main directors of Breaking Bad, something that yeah. we were just talking about last week. Um, this I think, is a I think very she's going to do. Individual. I think she's going to do a great job, but I am wondering what the script is going to look like because that's going to be a huge piece of this. So. Yeah, well, so if we David Goyer is, is involved, I, I I hope he's not involved in that Wonder Woman film because he has made some pretty negative comments about uh-huh. female superheroes. Um, so that is happening. We also know that um, on the other side of the pond, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Miss Marvel is going to be um, their first feature film fe- uh, featuring a, a superhero who happens to be female. I, th- I thought we would have a Black Widow movie by now, honestly. Scarlett Johansson has just was kicking butt last year in indie films, in her own feature film, and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I thought it was a no-brainer to have her cast in a, in a Black Widow film a long time ago. Um, and, you know, we, we know that these movies make a lot of money. When you create a more diverse cast and UCLA has done a lot of research on this when you create casts that are diverse in in every meaning of the term more people can go see those films you will make more money mm-hmm. and uh, you would think that we would have had more here by, uh, by this point in time but baby steps my friend <laughs> Because <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we just have to keep seeing those people that are are breaking the ground on this point, and and they they are continuing to move forward, which is good. But uh, you know, you and I both talked about this ad nauseum, how it feels like we should be so much more. Uh, we we to me we should be a lot further along than we are, and I'm hoping with um some of the the newer ways to make films and the access. Um, like to things such as Kickstarter and and more independently funded projects that maybe we will get there a little bit more quickly because I think it all depends on who's controlling the narrative. And Hollywood, as we have seen, is not the most diverse of hmm, communities, so to speak. And this is what is cool. It, It is cool to see a lot of YouTube uh, series to see the stuff that's kickstarted, Indiegogo'd. We, we are seeing more representation coming from um, independent sources, and, mm-hmm. and that's and, exciting. And, yeah, it is exciting. I'm hoping that it just continues to uh, gain momentum, and maybe eventually Big Hollywood will listen. So, well, and I mean, I think to some degree they, uh, to some degree, they are with Miss Marvel and Wonder Woman coming back here, um, and it's it's also exciting to see stuff like Hunger Games. Um, mm-hmm. And while there is some data that suggests uh, we have less female-led films now, we'll put that in the show notes, um, sometimes it does feel like we're we're taking a step backwards. Uh, So the fact that uh, we had Ripley, this really kick-butt character from the Alien franchise, and we haven't really had anyone like her. <laughs> well, Sarah Connor too, but they were around the same Sarah time. Connor, exactly. Sarah Connor is another individual who, you know, we're, we're getting another Terminator now. Great. Um, <laughs> but then, um, you know, and like Thelma and Louise and everything we had there and Captain Janeway and Scully. Well, and X-Files is coming. Gosh, I guess all this stuff is coming back in some way. Um, but then there's the whole Batgirl controversy that happened mm-hmm. um, with the, the cover of Batgirl Which is just egregious. The fact that anybody thought that that was a good idea makes me so very sad. 
it it plays back to that whole idea of um uh, women being tortured um being um uh, violently abused being killed being raped um and how that's been so highlighted in comic books and and in other forms of media as well um so we've got we've got we're making baby steps we've got a long way to go and i think what it comes down to is um not waiting for big media to create the characters you want. We live in an era now where you can create them yourself. And um, if you're not a, a content creator, you can talk about these issues and, and keep bringing them up. And then voting with your dollar. Um, go buy the comic books uh, that, that you want to support. Go support the, um, the artists that you want to support. There's actually a lot of them um, who are just awesome um kelly sue uh deconic um who has done a lot of work with uh, captain marvel now as she got promoted from miss marvel to make way for the new miss marvel is, is another awesome person who we haven't mentioned yet so a lot of really um in some ways it's a great time and in some ways gosh it feels like we we used to be so much farther ahead back in the 70s and then back when wonder woman first came out uh conrad um yeah. Well, well, oh, what? One more thing. Yes. Did you see the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum? I did. I did. I was actually going to mention that that they were going to display Wonder Woman's invisible jet, which is very cute. <laughs> they have display. They released this vid- video revealing the Wonder Woman's invisible jet in the milestones of flight. That first exhibit mm-hmm. you see when you walk in, and it's great. They they talk about how. Uh, they had to get it just right, and they wanted it to be in the jet plane formation or the mm-hmm. jet formation, and how the spectators like, oh yeah, it's a lot bigger than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty so awesome. Good. Yeah, we'll put that link up in the show notes too. Um, well, with that, are you ready to enter into the infinite crossover chamber? Let's do it. Let's enter into the infinite crossover chamber. Wonder Woman. Make a liar tell the truth, Wonder Woman. Nice try. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I you, forgot, try is... you, you forgot the in your satin tights fighting for our rights. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. That's a... <laughs> yeah, uh, and they're also like, uh, make a hawk a dove. Yeah. Stop, Stop a, a war with love. love. Yeah. <laughs> make uh, a the truth. <laughs> It's a great theme song, too. That is a fantastic It's catchy. It's pretty catchy. Um, And in our crossover chamber today, who do we have? We've got Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, facing off against Jean Grey, also sometimes known as the Phoenix or Dark Phoenix. Uh, I have to correct you here. Diana Prince is Wonder Woman's alter ego, just as Jean Grey is the Phoenix's alter ego. Or I guess maybe the Phoenix is... Jean Grey's alter ego? Hard to tell. I, uh, I think it depends on what phase of matter <laughs> Jean mm. Grey is in, I think. Because um, those are definitely... Jean Grey versus Phoenix versus Dark Phoenix. Those are different right. entities, which yeah. we should probably talk about. So what's our question today, Conrad? I think our question today is which one is a better superhero, I suppose? 
I like that. It's simple. It's straightforward. It's also ambiguous and leaves a little room for debate. Um, so we've talked a lot about uh, Wonder Woman, but what we haven't talked about too much is Jean Grey. Now, Jean Grey is a character who's a founding member of the X-Men. Um, mm. She has been um, in a lot of comic books, in, in every animated story of X-Men, and also has been in many of the films. I think she was featured in all three of the original X-Men films. She was featured in um, The Wolverine, and we saw her a little bit in Days of Future Past as well. She is portrayed by Femke Janssen in the first three films. And will be portrayed by Sophie Turner, who some of you know as Sansa Stark, in Mm -hmm. the upcoming X-Men Apocalypse. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing, is... If Sophie Turner portrays a character as Sansa, it's not going to work. Right. Um, I'm hoping Sophie can um, can level up in the hardcoreness and kind of bring it for uh, X Men Apocalypse. Um, we'll see. So, so uh, Jean Grey, she, I, I think we should talk a little bit about like how she first appeared. She first appeared as Marvel Girl in the first X Men, um, and she was the only female member of that particular team, of the original team. Um, And she originally only had uh, telekinesis, and then they later uh, gave her telepathy and and various other powers. So she evolved as a character, um, and her powers evolved. Um, And she eventually became really, really powerful. She became kind of super powerful. Yeah, like super powerful. Powerful in a dark way. She was trying to um, save the X-Men as they were in a shuttle coming back to Earth, as, you know, the X-Men do. And in that process, she was exposed to, like, this extreme radiation. And instead of dying, she actually became more powerful. And that led her to become the Phoenix, mm-hmm. which ended up becoming one of the most powerful mutants in existence. Mm-hmm. But then, how do we get to Dark Phoenix? Uh, Dark Phoenix, <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, the X-Men storylines just, they transform and transform and transform, and it sometimes becomes um, really... Uh, really hard to keep track of everything um but she um she kind of become this is the whole this is one of she's those exposed to radiation as often uh people within the comic book series um but isn't this whole like the idea that was raised in this documentary about Jean becoming overwhelmed and becoming right by her own power by her own and power. so basically she's um She's trying to save them, but because of her, like, crazy powers, she just sort of, she becomes out of control. And so um, she becomes Dark Phoenix, and, like, um, I think she even eats a star, doesn't she? Like, her power she, as this. She eats a star. <laughs> as, as, you know, and... Um, she eventually. Which I wonder if it just tasted like a big gobstopper. It might her. have. It might have. Um, and eventually, she totally uh, self-destructs or chooses to suicide to save everybody, which I think is along the whole lines of the things that they were talking about in the Wonder Woman documentary. That powerful where, women can't control. Right, and, and they and they power. end up having to sacrifice themselves for everybody else. Um, 
and so so yeah she's a she's a very interesting character um and then there's several i mean there's so many different storylines with dark phoenix and with jean gray um but she's always been one of the uh, original canon she's one of the original uh team x-men so so what's cool about this character uh this is a character i i was really interested in as a kid because in the X-Men animated series, she's kind of portrayed as being the successor to Charles Xavier. Yeah. So she has the same powers as him, which means that she's like the, one of the most powerful people. On and, this she's team. Being, and she's being mentored um, by Charles Xavier, who mm-hmm. is like the coolest person. Um, and I always thought that that storyline was interesting. And, you know, another element of this character is her relationship with Cyclops, the love triangle with Wolverine. So there's that element too, that uh, in many ways she's kind of defined, she can be defined by that relationship and in the worst portrayals and in better portrayals, it's just another element to the character. Um, but what's, so I I was kind of connected to the character from the X-Men animated series, a fun little story, um, one weekend, um, back when I was in college, um, Nguyen and her roommate had this like movie marathon where they watched the first and second X-Men film and then watched the third one, which oh, came- the third one was so bad. The third one was horrible. Um, but I was like, really, Nguyen, you're watching X-Men? And she's like, you know, actually, I really like this Jean Grey character. She I think it's so interesting awesome. that she is so powerful and one of the most powerful mutants out there. And uh, I asked her, well, what do you think about the third film? And wasn't it so bad? And Nguyen's like, well, I did like Jean Grey and where they took the character. And that led to a fun discussion for us about uh, Phoenix and Dark Phoenix. But you see the same thing in that third X-Men film that um, Jean Grey can't handle the power. She and has she also needs kill- Wolverine to help kill her. She, yeah, 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 she needs Yeah, and one of the worst climaxes in, in, in superhero films, man. That's, that's why I think uh, Days of Future Past did such a... It's so amazing because it's just like, yeah, we're just totally going to negate that whole yep. timeline. We take it back. We take it back. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, how do we how do we debate this? Because in some ways, if we go by powers alone, one can make the argument that Jean Grey is a superior superhero. However, others there, there would also be no Jean Grey without Wonder Woman. There would be no Jean Grey without Wonder Woman. And uh, another thing to uh, play in, uh, a role here is well, Wonder Woman never has her she never loses control of her powers. Mm, well, sometimes she loses her powers. Um, but oh, does she like she can't find them. She doesn't know where her bracelets. No, went, her I mean, there's different. Or? She can be if I think if they would like tie her up, like she loses her powers. Or, I mean, there's always been storylines like that throughout. You know, she she's gone through a lot of different things. Wonder Woman. That's kind of stupid. Um, and then that, in the eighties, sounds, in the eighties, she did lose stupid. all of her powers. So it's you know, it's she's gone through many different things. Wonder Woman, but. She also has a bit of a longer history by almost 20 years <laughs> than, than Jean Grey. Um, but I think that, you know, from my standpoint, um, for me, and I mean, I, I, I think Jean Grey is a really cool character and an amazing superhero, but because she could not exist without Wonder Woman, to me, Wonder Woman's still going to be, she, she will be the main person for me always. So um, I... 
I think if we come on the side of superpowers, Jean Grey is more powerful, obviously. Uh, there's no real debating that. And, um, and here's the other thing. Like, she can fly. She can do all this stuff. Like, I feel like everyone can fly in the X-Men universe, you know? Yeah. Like, everyone eventually has Flies. the ability to fly or <laughs> can be flown with the assistance of someone else's power. You right. Know? Like, no, it's true. Like, it's like, okay, I get it. We all fly. Okay. Um, so it, it's hard to compare these different universes you know it's i was thinking a lot about this question when we talked about it and i think it's very tough to compare just because of when they were both uh created um and i think jean gray epitomizes some of the the thought process um as she evolves into this great powerful character as you said she is the heir apparent to charles xavier and that's a huge statement um, she's yeah. also, she's a scientist. You see her like portrayed as this, just like this amazingly competent person for most of the, the storylines, at least with the films and things like that. Um, I think Wonder Woman and Diana Prince, I mean, she's as a secretary in parts. Um, and you know, I, I feel like Jean Grey, despite, you know, when the power overwhelms her is a role model that people can look at in both places and be really um impressed by and i think i think diana prince and wonder woman have gone through an evolution and they're much more respectable now but they definitely didn't used to be so uh, uh, i'm gonna I, and, make this real simple conrad um wonder woman is far more iconic than she Jean is Perry. iconic no it's the, true the colors the costumes the name um, the place in popular culture, um, Wonder Woman, everyone knows Wonder Woman, not everyone knows Jean Grey. And right. so for that reason ar- alone, I think Wonder Woman is the superior superhero. E- and it's, it's kind of amazing that even though we've had so many decades now without Wonder Woman being featured in film or on TV or anything like that, so many people still know her. Mm-hmm. So many non-comic book, non-super fantastic nerd hour listeners know Wonder Woman. And for that reason alone, I think it's no debate. It's Wonder Woman. All right. I think we're on the same page here. Mind meld. Woot. Mind meld. Dear listeners, please let us know what you think. Who's the better superhero? Is it Wonder Woman or is it Jean Grey slash Phoenix slash Dark Phoenix? Um, let us know. And with that, let's close up the doors on the infinite crossover chamber. And onto our top five. Conrad, what are we talking about this week? Uh, top five. Top five female superheroes uh, slash role models. Ooh, so how did you go about making your list of... Uh, um, this was a pretty difficult list for me to come up with. Um, I divided it into a few different uh, mediums uh, for me um, and and categories. So I tried to pick one from each, uh, which was extraordinarily difficult. Uh, but comic books, TV, film, books, actual books, and then a real role model. Like oh, in, re- in real life, so to speak. I'm I'm actually looking forward to hearing about your list. I, I had a very similar and very different list. So I was uh, my in full disclosure, my list is all real people. And at first, it didn't start out that way. I, I started to think, well, okay, let me, I want to I want a Star Trek role model here. Who did that? And then I I started to think about 
these fictional characters, but then I started to think about, well, who are the people that help those fictional characters come to life? And so that got me down the road of thinking about uh, real people. But I tried to capture some people who've been a superhero or a role model in different aspects of life. Um, and I think that'll become clear as I, as, as, uh, I give you each um, entry into my top five. Um, I will also say this top five is much less you know, a countdown for me as it is a collection of five people who I admire. That's okay. So anyone, my five could be a one and my one could be a yeah, five. Yeah, same thing with me. I just did different categories, so yeah. same thing. Yeah, um, so I started out uh, for my top five, uh, for number five, with comic books and graphic novels, um, taking Jean Grey and Wonder Woman out of it because clearly they are at the yeah, top of oh, my totally, list. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I had to go with Kamala Khan, oh, uh, Miss Marvel. Yeah. I had to. I mean, she is the first Muslim superheroine. Um, she is awesome. The The graphic novels are amazing. Um, she is a really great character, um, and also you like to to cosplay her, which I you know, <laughs> li- and uh, you know we got to, and it was kind of nice uh, this when we went to New York Comic Con, just seeing so many people dressed up like her was oh, really so amazing, um, and I just think we need to see more characters like her out there. So, Look, it's a it's a great storyline. Um, it it's really is beautifully drawn. Uh, it, what. I identify with Kamala Khan for so many reasons, and it's not just because she's also Pakistani American, and we we share all that uh, a lot of that identity stuff. But she's she's kind of a super fan of Marvel, mm-hmm. and in that first issue, she, you see she's been uh, she she writes Marvel fanfic, and and then she becomes a superhero and enters this world of superheroes, and her journey is kind of what you all wish you could have as a fan of this stuff yeah no absolutely and she's you know there's so many amazing little re- interactions between her and her parents yeah um, there's and some her and really, Wolverine. yeah yeah no there's really great uh really great writing in this just amazing um so i there really wasn't much of a contest although there i do have a, a lot of female superheroines that i love um but she is the one that immediately sprang to mind when I was coming up with this list. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I know this is not a perfect parallel, but I think about um, first wave feminism, third wave, and and uh, or second wave and third wave, and it's interesting to look at these characters: Wonder Woman, Jean Grey, Kamala Khan, mm-hmm. and to see how they're presented, the world in which they exist, and how different their journeys have been um, to get to this place. And it's it's just, I think Kamala Khan symbolizes a lot of the progress we've made and a lot of the potential, the hope of what happens when you do create nuanced, complicated, um, diverse characters with agency. Mm-hmm. Um, these are stories that appeal to a wide variety of people. So good stuff. Uh, well, my number five is someone who wrote some of my favorite stories. Cool. Um, Dorothy, Dorothy Catherine Fontana, better known as DC Fontana. Nice. Um, so I... <sighs> I originally was thinking of putting number one on this list. Um, for those of you who don't remember, number one was the first officer from the original Star Trek pilot played by uh, Majel Roddenberry. Um, and she was a first officer in that very, very, very uh, first episode. However, um, 
as I started to think about it, I was like, well, the name that always kind of stuck with me when I was watching Star Trek was DC Fontana. Yeah. Um, she wrote some of the some of my favorite episodes. Uh, Journey to Babel is one of my favorite episodes of the original series. She wrote that. She also wrote my favorite episode of Star Trek, the animated series, Yesteryear, which is kind of, a little bit of the storyline from the 2009 Star Trek film, a little bit, with Spock visiting his his younger self. Um, she also wrote the pilot to Star Trek The Next Generation, Encounter at Farpoint, and then uh, wrote an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine as well, and ha- has been involved in, in genre elsewhere as well. Um, she did some Babylon 5. Um, she did uh, some $6 million Man. So she's done a lot of stuff, and she's been involved in some comic books as well. So she's a really cool individual. But what's so cool to me is as a kid growing up watching this stuff, I had no idea she was a woman. Well, and that's part of why she was listed as DC Montana. Yeah. So, yes. And it's interesting. Um, I know uh, Jane Espenson was uh, in the the documentary we watched. And one of the things she was saying was how important it was to her when she was watching MASH, uh, to see that there were female writers that were yeah. attached to that show. And, uh, you know, I think similarly with DC Fontana, it would have been nice had she been able to use her full name <laughs> at the time. But it, it's very important to have these role models to basically say, hey, you know, you can do this too. Um, but she's a great example. Good pick, Ollie. I mean, did you know she was originally Gene Roddenberry's secretary? I did know this, yes. Yeah, I mean, gosh, this is like... This is like a real Mad Men story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she, I mean, the fact that she went on to write uh, many, many different things, including Babylon 5. Um, she really, she, she's done a ton of things and, and she's just a very cool lady. Have you ever seen any of the interviews with her? Um, yeah, there's some I up on, on YouTube and things like that. But, um, and she's also been involved in some of the video game development uh, related to some of the Star Trek uh, games that are out there. Um, she's just a very, very cool woman. Um, and yeah, I, that's a very good pick, Ollie. Good job. Thank you. So what do you have for number four? Uh, number four was, uh, female heroine in a, in a television series and you know, it's going to be Buffy. I know there's no way around that. (laughs) Gotta, gotta do it. Um, I think orphan black and others are awesome, but she really is black. Uh, she really is amazing. Uh, she she does. She is one of those female characters that that sacrifices herself to save the world, but then comes back and then saves the world again um, with the help of many other uh, also female superheroes. Um, but she really is to me. She is the seminal character. She, uh, and they talk a lot about her in the documentary as well. Um, and Jane Espenson, again, one of my heroes, uh, Jane Espenson would be all over this list too. Um, and I, I would probably <laughs> attach her to this as well, but, um, she just, she was the main event of this show. She had to go through a lot of hard choices. There weren't, you know, she, she did not lose her femininity, but she also had a ton of agency. She makes some bad decisions. Um, she's human and she's flawed, but she always powers through. And she is just such a fantastic uh, example. I will totally own up to the fact that Sarah Michelle Gellar gets on my nerves at times within this series, but uh, <laughs> overall, I had to I had to put her on the list. 
So. Well, my number four is also someone who had to be on the list. Now, remember, I'm, I'm going for real people here, mm-hmm. and I was trying to capture different types of people. So with DC Fontana, it was really about a writer and behind the scenes and someone who, who um, produced a lot of the stuff that I loved. Now, for my number four, it's someone who's in front of the camera a lot. And, a, and then that, that started to make me think about powerful women in media and powerful producers, powerful hosts, and things like that. And once I started to think about that, there was really no way around it. Um, my number four has to be Oprah Winfrey. Nice. That's a good it, one. It's got to be. Yep. I mean, this is a woman who, yes, now, like, I know her show became like a, a kind of a template and she's been criticized for sometimes not really pushing hard on her interviews. She also uh, promoted stuff like The Secret and all mm. of that. So, I mean, yes, she's made some mistakes and some of her relationships uh, and how she she promotes other people like Dr. Phil. There's there's a lot we could say here. but um, Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz, <laughs> yeah, and the criticisms about Dr. Oz. So th- there's a lot to criticize. There's also a lot to to applaud. Uh, this is a woman who did have a, uh, a rough life and became um, one of the most powerful women, period. And influential and wealthy. I mean, she Influen- is. Yeah. She, she has is a her powerhouse. Own, she has her own TV network. The, the, uh, just how influential she has been in creating uh, and launching other careers, how she has um, done a lot of philanthropy, how she has done a lot of uh, support around uh, so many issues that impact so many people. Um, and all the while somehow doing it in a way in which she's maintained um, a pretty positive relationship with most people. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the reasons why she got so many people to come on her show when she had the daytime show before she retired um, is because she was really well liked. And it is incredibly hard to do that for women, Conrad. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, one it, of the things that um, you and I have talked about a lot is how important support within, just generally within a community is. And unfortunately, I think a lot of a, a lot of women are not as supportive of each other as they could be. And she's all there. She's all out there. And uh, people are very supportive of her. And for her to be as basically she she her footprint is so large that you would imagine people would tear her down. And she just has not been. Um, absolutely. And that's I mean, what- yes, yes, she has come under. Absolutely. She has come under fire and people have been critical of a lot of the things that she has done. But overall, I would say she has maintained just such a very positive image um, generally. And- that's amazing. Like it, 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 you know, this is one of the. There's so much research on. Um, there's a lot of really interesting psychological research on resumes, and you can have the exact same resume, but if you have a male name on one, a female name on the other, the males are almost always likely to get hired, and the females are less likely to get hired. You have the exact same descriptions of people, and you have descriptions that include assertiveness and um, expresses criticism effectively, stuff like this. You attach a male name to it, and those qualities are valued. You attach a female name to it, and those qualities are vilified. Well, even uh, in studies within the dynamics of, of group meetings... Yep. In yep. in different businesses and, and organizations, 
Uh, you have female participants say exactly the same thing as male participants, and the female participants are interrupted, or their ideas are then taken by other people and presented as their own within the same meeting. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's totally the opposite when the when their male counterparts do the same thing. So it's really there is a lot of interesting psychological. Um, observations you could be you could make about this so that's, I, that's why i think oprah's story is so yeah. so amazing that the this individual has in that world of media has become such a powerhouse and a mogul and so right. and she my, also has talked very openly about her struggles and uh what took her on this path and the the difficulty it has been even being honestly the difficulty has been being her and yeah. being this role model. So I think she's, no, that's a good pick. Definitely. She also, Conrad, she commands an army. I she, mean, she does. <laughs> like I mean, the- it's, a, it's also a lot of, it's also a lot of power. Um, you know, she can, she can mention a book and suddenly it becomes a bestseller. Boom. I mean, Done. it's really incredible. She's also in, incredibly generous and, uh, puts money towards a lot of causes to, uh, to help, uh, in in different countries, education. She funds different schools. Um, wh- you know, there there are so many different causes that she's a part of that people aren't even aware of. And she's come under criticism for some of those too, not by course, anything course. she has done, but by some how these organizations work. But the fact that she she cares enough to do that when she honestly could just rest on her laurels is is impressive. Yeah. So, so that's my number four. Uh, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is uh, female role models in film, and it's going to be Ripley. It's got to be Ripley. She's, <laughs> Good she's like, you know, again, as I was doing this, I was basically, I would just put out a category, the number one name that came to mind. That's what I would have to do. And she's it. They talk about her in the documentary as well. Um, she's incredible. She is just this amazing character. Um, I adore her. She kills aliens. She commands armies. Just <laughs> Ellen Ripley she's is the best. Coming back. Yep. We now know there's going to be a new alien film. It's going to be a sequel to the second alien film, Aliens. Uh, by Neil it's interesting because because they're like, okay, we're going to make sure that those other ones just don't exist. <laughs> Again. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really kind of like, interesting. It's right? the X Men formula, the Superman Returns formula. It's uh, it's kind of, I think it's kind of cool. It's also kind of like seriously, guys. I mean, you're the ones who made this film, right. but Ripley's a great oh, choice. She's such a good I mean, character. Alien is one of my favorite science fiction films. I um, love Alien and Aliens. I love them both. Uh, Bill Wadman does not agree as much with me, but I these are, <laughs> you know, you and I have talked a lot about. I, I love these films. I always have loved these films. Um, and this was one of my role models. I mean. When I used to watch these films over and over again, because they were just, it was so, she was such an awesome character. You want to see more of her. And you can't talk about Ripley without mentioning uh, Sigourney Weaver, who is just a a treasure in the world of science fiction. Um, I mean, the characters that she has portrayed and uh, just how... um, how awesome she is i mean she's yeah it's 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 no that's a good pick ripley ripley's a really great character what's your number what's your number three uh, well one one thing about Uh, your number three um i remember playing a lot of those alien video games 
yeah. and just kind of like imagining myself as Ripley with those giant guns just taking down those aliens. Oh my gosh, so satisfying, Conrad. Uh, well, so and she also, I love how she schools people in the films, oh, too. Yeah. She's oh, always yeah. just like, yeah, you have no idea what's going you on. You don't know what you're dealing with. <laughs> you're all going to die if you don't listen to me. Right. Follow me or die. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so. um, my number three is also someone who's amazing for very different reasons. Uh, one of the reasons why she's amazing is because she's won a Nobel Peace Prize. My number three is Malala Yousafzai. Um, this is an individual who became really famous, I think, last year, Conrad? Mm. Is it last year or late Late 2013, I think. Um, Malala is an individual growing up in uh, very, um, very rural parts of uh, of Pakistan in north uh, the north part of Pakistan, who um, has become a major proponent for uh, female education and female rights, and has had her life threatened in in many ways, and has now. Kind of been traveling the world in the United States. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, not the United States. Came to, came to the United States, spoke at the United Nations, has won a Nobel Peace Prize, um, and is a really just kind of inspiring individual who um, advocates for a lot of very basic things, like basic civil rights that men and women should have basic well, rights to education. I also think uh, just in terms of bringing um, attention to what it's like to live uh, in a Taliban occupied area of the world. Yeah. I, I don't think that it, I think that she brought an amazing amount of attention to that and really yep. put a face to what was going on there and how horrific it was to live uh, with this reality. Um, you know, she had she and her family had to be evacuated from where they lived. She is living pretty much as a refugee, and you know it's it's definitely the things that she has undergone uh just incredible for somebody at her age uh to have this this presence um and to basically use some of the horrible things that have happened to her to fight against those things in the world. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, she is, she's 17 now, which makes it, you know, she was 14, 15 um, when she started to really advocate on, on a large level for these things. I mean, that's really young, Conrad. I was pretty stupid when I was 14, 15. Mm -hmm. I was not advocating for human rights. Um, I mean, I can't imagine the things she's gone through and has the, the strength to, to do everything she's doing now. And she's, I mean, I, I mean, and basically we should mention the fact, I mean, she was shot for going to school. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, to be as a female going to school. That was why she was shot and had to undergo an enormous amount of medical uh, intervention to be able to to even survive um and so i just yeah no i agree with you i was definitely not <laughs> when i was this age i was just not i could not see myself doing this so no i mean uh definitely living the example of wonder woman uh, <laughs> yeah. right there good job yeah that's my good number choice. three um that takes us to number twos uh, my number two was uh, female uh, heroines in books, and I think I've mentioned this particular person before. Uh, there were these books that I remember reading, and I was very excited because the female character not only was 
super awkward and kind of like not, you know, you wouldn't normally see this as a female character in books. She was awkward, unattractive, um, but she also went out and rode horses and killed dragons. Um, <laughs> and her name was Erin. And she was in the book The Hero in the Crown by Robin McKinley. Now, I, not all of Robin McKinley's books are as good as this, but I remember reading this, I believe I was around like maybe 11 years old or so when I read this, and it just spoke to me. There's a lot of other women. I, it's one of the books that's on my bookshelf, like as the one of those books that's like precious to me. Um, and uh, other people have come over to my house saying, "Oh my gosh, I remember reading that, and she was like the best, uh, like this this character that would just go out and do all this stuff, and she was getting in trouble for doing it, but did it anyway. Um, just a very cool character. Um, so I had to I had to throw that in there. Uh, good pick. Uh, I know we've had some conversations yep. on and off the show about uh, about that book and that character. Um, so I, yeah, I am fully supportive of that. What is your number two? My number two is very, very recent example, actually making headlines in the last couple of weeks, and this is Ellen Powell. Um, this uh, is interesting. That that's your role model. Well, here's here's why. Um, so for those of you who may or may not be, and again, numbers don't matter, matter here, but I, I did want to highlight um, what's been going on here. So Ellen Powell, um, right now, is, is, she's a lawyer um, and is the uh, interim CEO of uh, Reddit. But before being at Reddit, she was a, a junior investing partner at Kilner Perkins, Caulfield, and Briars, which mm-hmm. is a uh, kind of an investment, one of those venture capital investment firms over in Silicon Valley and uh, supporting a lot of startups, blah, 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 all that stuff. What's interesting about this story is Ellen Powell um, uh, started a lawsuit against this uh, former employer um, about sexist practices and saying that she wasn't promoted because of her gender. What's interesting about the case is it wasn't settled and she wanted to have an, have an open trial, um, basically for the reasons of having all this information exposed. Now, there, there's a lot that's been written about this and how uh, there's a great article in New York Mag about the, the sexism that you can't prove. But the, the stories that have come out as a result of this trial, and in some ways how Alan Powell's been, I don't know if you want to say a whistleblower, but has brought attention to the sexism that runs rampant in Silicon Valley, that story to me is really interesting. Oh, I'll, give you, I'll definitely agree with you on those points. Um, I think, you know, it's been interesting to see the controversy that's been raised and the coverage of this particular case. Oh, yeah. And there's been lots that's been said mm-hmm. <laughs> about this case on, on all sides. Uh, what it highlights to me is sexism in uh, the 21st century, in um, in America, and you know, it's really fascinating to put uh, to talk about this right after we're talking about Malala, who was shot at for trying to go to school, and then on the other hand, we ha- we're talking about sexism here in the United States in high power Silicon Valley investment firms, and uh, you know, subtle things like um, her not being invited to. Uh, this uh, ski trip that 
all the all the male, the high end males are going to in this company, but she's not getting invited because oh well, without it might be awkward because there aren't any other women going or not being uh, invited to the cocktail party, being left out of certain meetings. There's it's it's harder to prove. It's much more subtle, and there, it's much more. Um, it's much more micro the the sexism as than it used to be in in the Mad Men era of of the sixties and uh, and the fifties and how sort of very obvious it was there. Um, so that that's I think a big challenge for us as a country here in the United States to figure out how are we going to um, address some of the what what a lot of people call these microaggressions, these micro sexist or bigoted or uh, th- these types of statements that kind of limit people. and, well, and, how, and it, I think it was a tough case, um, and I think some of the things that were brought up are hard for a jury to go and support um, her take on things. Yeah, yeah, and the case um, was lost. So, she and the case the was case. lost, and I, you know, it's, I can see why this might be hard for a jury to decide one way or the other, but I agree with you, I think it did bring attention to this particular issue um, in Silicon Valley. And it is a very male-dominated scene, the tech scene. Uh, women in tech, uh, very few of them. And then, and then you look at the, the people that are holding uh, leadership positions in tech, and it's very few. Absolutely. Um, I, I- and it is, you know, uh, a lot of the descriptions you, you hear, uh, not just in this particular trial, but in other forums about the behavior within some of these companies it is extraordinarily hostile towards women so yeah i i uh, you know I, I have a lot of love for silicon valley it's where i grew up it was where i was raised it's where i developed a lot of my geeky identity and back then and now conrad it is an old boys club it's an, it's an old nerdy boys club like this is not this is not like the the sexy Donald or Don Drapers, uh, they're they're nerds, but there's a lot of sexist nerds out there in, in Silicon Valley. So, um, yeah, that's that's my number two. Um, we've got your number two, right? Yep, so we that, already did that. That leaves us with uh, number ones. Uh, my number one. Uh, there were a lot of women that could have been on this list. These are my real life examples. There are so many. So many female role models that could have been on this. But I went back to my childhood and someone who really... Are you doing a time machine back to your childhood? Kind of. Uh, <laughs> but somebody, it was when when she became this uh, media sensation, I really was so amazed and impressed by her. And it really just, huh. to me, made me think... I don't know where think, this is going. To me, made me think anything was possible, and that person is Sally Ride. Oh man, Conrad, that is a great pick. Yep, um, really. So, good. for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Sally Ride was the first American woman in space. Uh, to date, she is still the youngest astronaut ever to travel in space, um, and she was just this incredible force of nature. Um, I was admittedly heartbroken when she died in 2012. And, yeah, and the Challenger disaster. 
Um, well, she didn't die in the Challenger disaster, but she did fly. Oh, wait. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was thinking of, yeah. She did fly in the Challenger, but not. She fly in Challenger, but not. Yeah. Yeah. She was not part of that disaster. But no, no. She only died a couple years ago. Um, but to me was just, and, and at the time when she, when she was in space, she was all over the place, you know, and it was just this really cool thing. Um, you know, like, just the fact that she was doing this was so amazing and she continued to be part of that um uh, part of that narrative and maybe like i i definitely loved the idea of space travel but she made it even cooler for me so yeah there's there it is uh sally Wright is is uh was a big part of my childhood as well um uh, even though I totally messed up uh, one critical fact of her life. Uh, no, absolutely. The second a- female American astronaut in space was also yeah. uh, was, was uh, a part of the Challenger disaster. Yeah. So, um, Well, my number one is uh, also a, a scientist who happens to be a, 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 f- a female person, um, Mary Cover Jones. Now, I'm guessing you probably haven't heard of her at all. I have not. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was hoping for. Now, um, so Mary Cover Jones is considered to be the mother of behavior therapy. She was a psychologist, um, was an associate professor of psychology in the 20s at Columbia University. So uh, that's the institution I work at right now. So I have a lot of... Oh, I do know exactly who she is. You do know who she is? Yes, I remember her from my early psychology classes. Good, I was hoping... I was Okay, yeah, now that you said she went to Columbia, yes, that makes a a total... total sense but keep going keep going so what's so uh, so i learned about her in my psychology courses and the work that she pioneered is what i continue to do every day in my day job so many of you probably have heard of this psychologist named uh watson and the Mm -hmm. little albert experiment so the little albert experiment was this this guy watson takes this little kid and um, conditions the kid to become afraid of white objects. Whenever there's this uh, little right. cute rabbit, this loud gong goes off and the kid starts crying. And then uh, pretty soon every time he sees this cute little white rabbit, um, the kid is sad. And then that generalizes to um, any other white object. Even, at one point he even comes in with like this like really creepy Santa Claus mask and the kid is all scared. Well, who um, wouldn't be scared of that? Who but wouldn't anyway. be scared? I know. Uh, I know. But, but it was... Uh, uh, desensitization is what she that was her technique right Well, exactly so she saw that she saw that research and it was like huh if you can condition someone to become scared of anything can we do the opposite and desensitize people to things that they're afraid of and so that's exactly what she pioneered desensitization as a treatment to cure phobias and so she did the opposite with a little kid called little peter where she desensitized him to some of the fears that watson was was conditioning people to become afraid of the the main strategies of exposing someone to the thing that they're scared of, having them sit with it, their bodies become used to it, anxiety goes down, that form of treatment, exposure therapy, the basics of that are still exactly how we treat 
pretty much every single anxiety disorder out there. It's the most effective treatment. And I love that Mary Cover Jones saw someone kind of using that research for, I don't want to say nefarious purposes, but um, saw it for a purpose that, you know, we wouldn't really do. (laughs) And then um, said, hey, I think this actually could be used to help people. And because of her work, it has helped millions of people. Millions. That is an awesome choice, Ali. Yeah, she's she's an awesome, awesome person. Well, and especially at the time when she became, she was, you know, she had children and a family, and that was definitely not the norm. No, you um, don't do this. No, you no, you did don't. Not do this in the twenties. Um, I mean, her work is cited often. She's a absolute amazing role model. Um, what she pioneered is still to this day what we do. Um, she's an awesome, awesome person. Oh, that was a good choice. Good, good uh, one, Ali. I like I, our, li- I, I like it. our list today. This is a good list, Conrad. Yeah. This is a good list. Uh, did you have anything on your honorable mention? Um, you know, there's so many people, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, there are so there's, but you know, one of the things that I alluded to in the beginning of our show is that as I was coming up with my list, um, other than Kamala Khan being in there, um, there really is, you know, just thinking in just totally in terms of what's out there in terms of um, film, book, television, there is a dearth of diversity. And that was, you know, uh, that was sort of a you and I have talked a lot about it before, but it was a really tough realization to have while making this list for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm glad to see that it is changing very slowly, but it is changing. Um, and I just look forward to seeing a lot more diversity uh, within our different mediums as as the future unfolds. But that was just, you know, even in writing down my list and all the, the people that were on there, like Sarah Connor, Hit Girl. Sarah Connor. Um, I also had Jane Espenson down there and Daenerys Targaryen. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, it's interesting because it's just still there really isn't as much diversity as I feel there should be. So, yeah, especially um, when it comes to um, uh, um, ethnic diversity as yes. well as LGBT, um, we, we see less of that in the media. Um, right. I, I, there was a few I was thinking of, and it's it's hard because I'm going to have a, I'm going to end up having a pretty long list here. But um, we talked about Ellen DeGeneres before mm-hmm. on a past episode, past top five, so that's why she didn't enter my top five. But I think she's been um, she's been doing so much, um, kind of following the same a similar trajectory as Oprah Winfrey in terms of becoming this uh, huge media presence and and pushing issues of equality forward. Uh, she's really awesome. Well, and- even before that, when she had her own show, she came out on her own show, and that was a yep. huge deal at the time. Yep, yeah, really changed things and changed the direction, uh, d- the trajectory of uh, of gay rights in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, another individual I wanted to mention, On San Suu Kyi. Uh, she's the uh, one of the most famous living political activists in, in the world who's been argu- um, campaigning for democracy in Burma. Um, had a documentary made uh, about her a few years ago. Um, she was in my top five. And, um, you know, another one I put here is uh, Jennifer Lawrence. And oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, so there's a lot that could be said about Jennifer Lawrence. Um, it's but she's her- playing a lot of these roles. Katniss Everdeen, she's uh, Mystique. Um, yeah, X Men. So yeah, I, I hear and, you on that one. And I, I also think 
behind the scenes um, as an actress, she's a little bit more real. She, there's been a few, many people have done this, but there's been a few times when people ask her like, oh, what are you wearing? And she'll be like, what, you're going to ask him about his character and you're well, asking me. Well, and also uh, the reaction, do you remember the whole phone hacking thing? So some photos Absolutely. of her. And, and she, her reaction was extraordinarily classy and amazing. So I thought it was that, that was. And she said, you know, I have the right to, to do this. <laughs> so, do this. Like, I don't want you to criticize me for private actions that I took. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, no, I, I hear you on that one. Um, I was also going to mention, uh, I don't know, we've talked a little bit about this and we got to meet Jamie McKelvey at New York Comic Con, but the uh, graphic, uh, the comic book that him and Karen Gillan did, uh, The Wicked and the Divine, it's, I think there's uh, nine issues out at this point, but the majority, a lot of the characters, um, and especially the really powerful characters, both villains and heroes, uh, are female. Um, And there is diversity within that. And so it's kind of nice to see a comic book that you know has has more representation generally so i was just going to throw that in there and maybe we should talk about that at some point i'd love to i'd love to um so dear listeners please let us know who are some of your favorite female superheroes and and uh, role models uh you can write to us at info at superfantasticnerdhour.com you can also leave us some comments on our website which you can find at nerdhour.com we've got some uh a lot of comments in the last uh, couple of weeks so thank you for sending those you can also reach us on twitter at nerdhour. we will be happy to talk to you there too and to keep this conversation moving forward conrad you have a twitter handle that kind of is very symbolic of the show where can people find you they can find me on my other podcast uh reanimatedpodcast.com or reanimated pcast on the twitters and on twitter just myself at die prince per our show today which is kind of nice <laughs> and you can find me on twitter as well i'm at ali matu a-l-i-m-a-t-t-u and you can also find me on brainknowsbetter.com and uh where i talk about psychology science fiction and this week i had a episode come out with uh, a past guest from this show diana chang from our big hero six episode um we did a collaboration on youtube about the psychology of friendship and you can find that at the so check it that out um conrad what are we talking about next week next week we are talking about we're changing gears literally. <laughs> well, literally uh you <laughs> decided that you want to watch the some of the fast and furious franchise so we will be discussing uh, furious seven and we're going to have special guest host bill wadman because i don't think we can do a show without him oh i that. can't wait this is something I really know so little about, and I kind of wanted to experience this. And Bill Wadman loves this so very much. (laughs) (laughs) So looking forward to that, folks. Um, And until then, please do me a favor and live long and prosper. Indeed.